This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects us all, produced in a format that you can consume in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I know someone who does. Sometimes it seems like my job in covering technology is like playing a whack-a-mole game because there are so many stories that should be done that I'm and I'm working on a lot of them. I mean, I'm working on a story about API security. I'm working on a, a story about uh, the, the dangers of generative AI. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff is going on. And getting that information is not necessarily easy. And it hasn't been for the past couple of weeks. Uh, I've done a lot of interviews that have gone absolutely nowhere uh, because the the premise of the story that they want to tell doesn't add up. But here's the thing is, I'm an idealist. And that's different from being a pessimist or being an optimist, okay? An idealist takes a look at what should be. It's like what John Kennedy said. Some people look at the way things are and say, why? Well, while I look at things as they could be and say, why not? I mean, that's that's really what it is. And that that kind of gives me hope because as long as I can see progress toward a certain goal, then I'm, I'm pretty much happy because I can see what's coming along. I mean, that, that's not just my opinion of, of my abilities. Uh, I took uh, uh, intelligence testing back in high school. Yeah, and uh, one of the things they identified is that I've got a very high ability to see patterns and how they're going to turn into something. Uh, some people call that prophecy, but it's just being able to see how things fit and, and what would happen. Good chess players do that. I'm a bad chess player because uh, sometimes I can't see the things that other people see. But <laughs> to get down to the point of it, I'm an idealist. And when it comes to things about technology, yeah, things are bad. Uh, it's, it's hard to trust what's coming out because so much is, is so dedicated to profit and not actually making things better. But as you know, I, I do a lot of stuff on cybersecurity. And overall, I have hope. Now, you might wonder why, because the reports that come out that say cyber attacks are on the increase, ransomware is on the increase, phishing is on the increase, 90% of all, all uh, breaches occur either intentionally or unintentionally by mistakes by human beings. Okay, all that's bad. But there was one statistic that I found, and it's actually kind of disappeared because it doesn't fit with the narrative for a lot of cybersecurity. It was that even though the number of attacks are increasing, the success rates of those attacks is decreasing. Now that means we, there's still a lot of people that, that get hurt uh, by cyber attacks. It's still a bad thing. But the fact is that people are getting it. Uh, the awareness of cybersecurity and, and taking care of your data, that you have a personal responsibility. Well, that's on the increase. Um, th there's a, uh, a standard called DMARC. 
That stands for Domain-Based Message Authentication Reporting and Conformance. Now, that's a mouthful, and you don't really need to know what all that means. But this is, this is what it does. It checks to make sure that the email you're getting is actually coming from the people it claims to be. You know, you take a look at, at when you get some, uh, an email from somebody that says, Bob at XYZCorp.com. Uh, and uh, or let's make a common thing an IBM.com. Okay, if it comes from IBM, you think, okay, this guy is from IBM. But uh, adversaries can actually spoof that email address. Uh, like I get emails to Lou at AOL.com all the time. I don't have an AOL account. I haven't had an AOL account for 30 years. And I never had an AOL account for Lou at AOL.com. And yet it still comes through. That's people that are, that are, that are messing around with uh, uh, servers and, and email accounts that don't have this kind of protection. And 10 years ago, not too many people had DMARC protection. And I even had an interview with somebody who was, who was telling me about how bad it was. But the fact is, when I checked with the DMARC organization, I found out that the, the adoption of that is up 84% year on year. Now, it still means about half of the world is not using it, but we're making good progress. That's good news. Uh, we still have to be concerned because most of the attacks uh, that we uh, th that happen in this world come through email, and it comes from people clicking on links in their emails that they shouldn't be clicking on. But we're getting better at that too, and that's the thing that that's that's where my idealism kicks in. Uh, yes, it's bad, and that's why I why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why I help found. Uh, Cyber Protection Magazine, why I, I write these stories, why I do these podcasts. It is getting better. Um, and, and, and that gives me hope. Uh, that, that's why I keep doing this stuff. There's no reason to give up. Uh, another issue is artificial intelligence. Um, there, you, there's, there's a great group of people that are really, in. they're all in to generative AI. And most of them are the people that are making money at it. People like Microsoft and, and Alphabet and Meta. Uh, they're looking to, to really cash in on this AI stuff. And so they're talking about how great it will be. In the meantime, you have people saying, well, it's going to kill jobs. It's going to increase all kinds of uh, uh, problems with authentication, uh, with with po politics. and Yeah, yeah, it all has that potential. But that's it. It has that potential. It doesn't, that potential doesn't exist right now. And that's why I kind of fall in between the people that say it's great and the people that say it's awful. Uh, for example, there was a Sky News report where uh, one of the reporters decided to see what it would be like if they could get an AI to to replace a reporter. Sure, that sounds scary to somebody like me. And and the report itself was showing, yeah, it could be done. But I was watching what was going on. Okay. In order to make this happen, they had to have this massive computer complex in, in the Netherlands. 
Okay. And they had to have people that could come up with what had to be put into it. They had, essentially what they had to do is if they were going to get rid of reporters and producers and editors, they were going to have to hire technologists and buy equipment that would cost more than the reporters, the editors, and producers. <laughs> and that's when I realized, well, AI is not going to take my job. And here's another thing that people don't realize. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. What we call AI is generally not AI. It could be a machine learning platform. It could be a large language mo uh, uh, model. Uh, but those are components in an artificial intelligence. To have artificial intelligence, you've got to have three major components. One is a data lake. That's, that's a big database of all kinds of information. Next, you have to have machine learning, okay? And we've, we've got all that stuff in spades. But the third part is deep learning, and that's what's, be, what's missing. Deep learning is the ability of an AI to teach itself. Right now, the only way for an AI to, to actually work is if human beings are feeding information into it. And that was kind of a big deal this week when Google changed its terms of service to say that anything you put into their system is going to be scraped and used to train their AI, which is going to make them a lot of money. And people were saying, well, that's not fair. Well, yeah, it's not. It's the way it is. Uh, OpenAI, uh, the, the company that, that built ChatGPT, well, they're, they're in a, facing a number of lawsuits. And the, the most recent one is that they illegally started scraping personal information and data uh, to, to help train their AI without permission. Yeah, that's why Google changed its terms and conditions of, of their, using their stuff is because they don't want to get sued either. Plus, OpenAI is getting sued for patent infringement and copyright infringement because they didn't get permission to use the information that trained their AI. And that's going to create something that we weren't, we've been talking about, <clears throat> but really didn't know it was there. And that's legislation. That's, and that's another thing that gives me hope. And I'm not a big person for regulation, but when corporations don't build products, or let me put it this way, when corporations build products that have a potential of causing all kinds of damage to society, then government needs to step in to regulate. And that's a good thing because that keeps us safe. Regulations aren't necessarily good, but they're, they're the outgrowth of corporations that don't take responsibility. But what's happening is that us, the people, are realizing this stuff we're hearing about AI, yeah, we're not buying it. In fact, distrust in technology is at an all-time high right now. And we're going to end up regulating the AI industry simply through the, the form of lawsuits to, when corporations say, well, we're going to take this information from you guys and we're going to say, ah, ah, no, wait a minute. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, Meta's, Meta has, has run into that as well with the introduction of threads, which they're all saying, oh, we've got 30 million users within 24 hours of when we launch this thing. But at the same time, there are a lot of people saying, uh, wait a minute. You want us to give you even more information about ourselves that you're not going to compensate us for? Yeah, we're not going to do that. 
Earlier this year, I spent some time editing a book for a guy named John Thompson. Uh, wrote, the book is called Data for All, and I recommend it. Uh, I had a fun time editing it uh, because it had some really interesting information about just how much data we give up and how much is being collected from us on a daily basis. But he had a suggestion, a very strong suggestion, that he thinks is going to happen. And as time moves on, I think it's going to happen as well in that corporations that collect our data and use it for to profit themselves are going to have to return some of that money to the people they took the information from. Now, I thought, you know, corporations are going to do that. And uh, Thompson said that governments are probably going to require it. But just in this lawsuit uh, uh, against OpenAI, that's essentially what they're saying. You can't take our data for free. You owe us money for all that data you collect. And that's going to put, uh, I'd say, a pretty good anchor or drag chute on, uh, on the growth of things like AI as they realize, oh, we just can't make this for profit. We, uh, we, we've... And the thing is, is that companies like Microsoft have put billions of dollars into th this development. And they're afraid they're going to lose their shirts, just as Meta is losing its shirt on virtual reality. And and now Apple has stepped into that and is losing. That, that's another thing. Yeah, we had a, a debate last, last week between me and Patrick Bulch about whether virtual reality goggles are a good idea. And he think, thinks it's going to come along uh, within 10 years. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I agree with him that it's, it's going to be a thing that's going to happen. But right now, it's not that profitable. And Apple just announced that they're cutting their uh, uh, production rates on their goggles by even more. It was up around like, 5 million at, at the beginning, and now it's less than 500,000. I think it's going down below less than 200,000 now. Um, and those are the kind of things that give me hope that people aren't, you know, people can, will, will follow a lot of stuff blindly, but eventually look at to the point, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know about this anymore. And the distrust of what we have been told was, okay, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. That's, that's become a big deal. Corporations are going to need to learn how to regain the trust of the, their market. And we're all learning how to be a little bit more safe by taking responsibility for ourselves. And while I'm working on all these other stories, I just wanted to share this with you, that this is something to be encouraged about, that things are getting better. It doesn't seem like it. And in fact, there was a recent study that said that uh, people tend to forget how bad things used to be as they're concentrating on how bad things are today. That's why this whole Make America Great Again, if you actually took a look at the way things were in the 1950s compared to the way it is today, it really sucked back then. It wasn't great. We weren't having a good time. People weren't making, making money. People were dying of horrible diseases. People were horrible to each other. 
and compared to that, our time to that, there's no comparison. It's much better now. And that's why I'm an idealist. And I hope you can be too. So that's it for this week for Crucial Tech. My name's Lou Covey. I'm the chief editor for Cyber Protection Magazine. I hope you're reading that. And if uh, you have any questions or comments or things you think I should be talking about, well, drop us a line at cyberprotectionmagazine.com and we'll get right on it. Trust me, it'll be coming. Thanks for listening. This is Crucial Tech, a Footwasher Media production. <laughs>